0: During this episode, I answer your wedding planner questions. Thanks for joining me. I'm Debbie Queen. You're listening to another episode of WeddingsForALiving.com. This is the online talk show for new and aspiring professional wedding planners. To learn lots more information and to download your free audio class, which actually adds you to the email list, go to WeddingsForALiving.com and look for either the audio class notification on the right-hand side of the page, or if you're on the front page, there should be a button that says join the email list. So recently, speaking of email lists, I sent out an email asking for your feedback. I wanted to hear what questions you had about being a professional wedding planner. Questions, comments, feedback. And thank you so much. I got loads of responses. And what I did was I held a live broadcast, which I announced to the email list, and answered most of those questions during that live broadcast. So what you're about to hear is part one. I had to split it up based on the number of questions. So this is part one of that broadcast. And some of the questions that I answer to give you an idea, if you really want to continue listening or not, of course you do. Questions such as, um, should I complain to wedding vendors on my client's behalf? What's the best way for a new professional wedding planner to find clients? Should I charge extra for planning a Persian wedding? What's the best way to set up a wedding planner agency? What if I become labeled as the day of or month of wedding planner? And how do I market my wedding planner services to family and friends? So those are the questions that I'm going to address in this part. Okay, great. Good morning. I'm Debbie Quayne. And you're listening to a live broadcast of, I don't know what to call it. I don't want to call it confetti because confetti was the live talk show we did for many years. And this is a little different today. I wanted to get a chance to touch base with you. And for those of you that are new here, welcome. And if you can just type in the chat room. So let me back up a bit. I'm sorry. We're broadcasting live on weddingsforliving.com live. Living dot com slash live. Several of you are there. If you would type in where you're listening from, Kim. Good morning, Kim is in Houston, Texas. Fantastic, Clarissa. Shop Taste Dance is here. Clarissa, remind remind me where you're you're in Atlanta, right? I think. Janelle Springett, wonderful. Good morning from Columbia, South Carolina? Sabrina Jeffcoat. Wonderful. Josie, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Good morning. I know I saw Down Under somewhere. Clarissa is in Georgia. Yes. And do you see Clarissa's... Clarissa's... Um, <laughs> Clarissa, how much... Clarissa is Georgia Wedding and Event Planner, Event Stylist, Wedding Podcast, Co-host and Blog, Inspiring Brides and Grooms with Tips, Intimate Events. Yes. <laughs> Shira... I hope I'm saying your name correctly from Orlando. Gabby, DC, wonderful. Lisa, mwah, good morning from Australia. I think it's probably closer to midnight over there. Pensacola, Florida. Good morning, Rhonda. And Janelle's in Orlando. That's right. Okay. So here's the deal for today. And you can keep chiming in. Here's the deal. So what what we would know, Larissa Waldorf, that's right. Good morning, Larissa. And and Youngstown, Ohio. Let me just Give the roll call here, Kristen. It is midnight there, Lisa. That's what I thought, midnight in Australia. So please forgive me. I'll read the chat, and then I'll say it out loud, thinking that you're in this crazy mind of mine. I don't mean to do that. So I'll try to give you some context. But every now and then, I'll just blurt something out, and you're thinking, what is she talking about now? But today's event is really to answer your questions. So a couple of weeks ago, I asked you to submit your wedding planner questions. I got a lot of feedback. Thank you so much. And I'm going to focus on answering those questions today. Now, several of you submitted some questions in the last two or three days. I don't believe I can get to those today. So I'm going to get back to the folks that kind of got, you know, first come, first serve kind of thing. And if we don't get through them today, then we'll do a part two. I anticipate that we'll be here for about an hour. Anything longer than that, it begins to just drag on and on and on, especially if you're listening later on. So we'll, we'll, we'll break it up, okay? Dazzle from Lexington, South Carolina. Fantastic. So good to see you. Oh, well, here. Well, yep, see you in the chat. I'm going to answer these questions as best I can. Feel free to communicate in the chat room amongst yourselves. If you're on the phone lines, just come over to weddingsforliving.com live. Of course, on the phone, you can hear everything, but you cannot see the chat. If you could comment or or provide feedback on what I've shared with you, that would be great. The intelligence is really in the room here. I don't profess to have all the answers. We can really help one another because we all bring in something different. Isn't that right? So I'll answer the questions and then I'll take a pause every 10 minutes or so. But feel free to communicate amongst yourself. The first question out the gate came from Kathy. Kathy wrote in and said, sure did miss you, Debbie Quain. Oh, I miss you too, Kathy. I think this is Kathy from Florida who wrote this. I could be wrong, though. Kathy asked, I have a question. When working as a day of or month of coordinator and you have issues with the vendors that your bride hired, how should you handle it after the wedding? Should you contact the vendor on behalf of your bride and tell them how unhappy you were with their services for your bride? Okay, good question. So, day of, month of coordinator is a person who follows in the shoes of someone who's already planned most, if not all, of the wedding. You're there to provide a a comprehensive wedding day timeline which lists everything that's happening on the wedding day and to be the eyes and ears for your clients on the wedding day. That means your clients have selected vendors that you probably had no involvement in, you had no involvement in the selection process. Day of, wedding coordination is something that's very near and dear to me and a lot of times because we're not involved in the selection process our clients don't do the best job in who they choose doesn't mean it's always going to be perfect when we choose but it is what it is the thing is we're coming in there and we're we're the client's eyes and ears so With regard to the day of, at the end of each wedding, I provide a survey to my clients to ask for their feedback. I provide a survey to my staff, the team that helped me on that wedding day. And then I also provide a survey to the vendors that worked because each person in that group saw something a little different on the wedding day. You can't be everywhere. My feedback, though, if you come across a vendor who does a less than stellar job is to, my my feedback Kathy is I'm going to make a mental note of that and move on. You no know, that sounds awful. The thing is I I wasn't involved in the selection process. Now based on the feedback I get from the survey and depending on the communication level I have with that vendor I might say something, but it's a little difficult for you another professional to chastise another vendor that there isn't an an a relationship with. Now, if the relationship between the two of you, you and the vendor was it's great, it's a good one, or someone that you already know, it's easier to approach that. If you decide, though, that you want to say something to the vendor and you're well within your rights to do that, just proceed with caution. You want to always start with good. Hopefully there was something good, the fact that they showed up. <laughs> and then say, you know, my client was a little disappointed with da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But my instinct is just let your clients, you know, check, commiserate with your clients, but really move on. This isn't something that you were involved in. You might want to make mention of it to the vendor, but what's the point? When you're interviewing vendors for your business and you come across a vendor that isn't great, you don't, move, you don't want to move forward with that person, right? Why, why waste time? So it's unfortunate. And you make a mental note that when you see this vendor's name again, you, you might need to prepare in anticipation, but it may have just been a one-off. If you can have that communication with the vendor and it not be coming from a place that you're sort of wagging your finger, you know, chastising them, then move forward. But my instinct is just to keep it moving. Make note of it. By the way, my client was going but this is not a relationship that you established and you're just sort of coming in on the tail end. So my long-winded response, as usual, Kathy, <laughs> so long-winded, is just to make a mental note of it and keep keep moving. You hadn't... This is why, this is why, as if you are a day of wedding coordinator, even though we don't select vendors for our clients, it's really a good idea to have a stash of people. So two or three people in each category, two or three great photographers, two or three great caterers, two or three great great DJs, so that you can say to a client, you know, I have a person if you don't have this. And even so, even if we're not doing that for our clients. Because you're in the wedding industry, people will assume, whether they've hired you or not, that you have the inside track on vendors, and you should share that knowledge. Okay? And just make a mental note of the the crappy ones. How annoying. How annoying. Okay. All right. That was Kathy's question. Next question that came in is from Joe. Joe's a new wedding planner. Joe says, as a new wedding planner, what's the best way in your experience to obtain clients? In the past three months, I've tried social media, word of mouth by speaking to friends and family, distributing business cards, etc. but nothing has come up yet. Please, can you offer any advice in this regard? Much appreciated, Joe. Okay, good question. Sorry for shuffling papers. My experience, the best way to obtain clients, definitely you, you want Family and friends are are, are are the go-to for me. We kind of overlook that maybe because it seems so simple. But word of mouth is great for any business owner. It, it sort of breaks the barrier down. If I say to you, Sabrina, I know of this. Or Sabrina, you come to me and you ask. Okay, let me change it, change it up. I come to you, Sabrina, and I say, do you know of someone that can, I don't know, create. Do you know of someone who can do a dessert table for my wedding. And you know of someone, I'm going to feel, I'm probably going to follow up on that lead as opposed to looking on the not wedding wire or just a random person that I have no relationship with. So it makes sense that word of mouth works. So I don't know, it's funny, when we start a business, we kind of look for this, what can we do to make, what can we do to to get the word of mouth going? Well, it stands to reason that you, you start with the people that are closest to you especially those that want the best for you. So begin with family and friends, definitely. But you have to approach it so that they know you're serious about it. Because for most of us, when we're doing weddings, we've been doing this thing for a while, maybe not in the capacity where we're being paid or compensated, but it's usually not a complete surprise to our family of friends if we're getting into the wedding industry or the special events industry. There's usually some inclination. There's something that we've done in the past that leads us to that. But we do have to be prepared, and we do have to be serious. And in this year, 2016, moving forward, you have to have a website. You have to have business cards. Guilty. I don't have any business cards right now. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> but you have, to, have, you have to, to let them know that this is for real, for real now. I've got a website. So you, you want to have a website. Business cards are, are so inexpensive now. And it's just so easy. People look at the card and they they hold on to it. But you also have to stand out. Something about you has to stand out. Now, when you go to family and friends, hopefully you you will be stand out for them because they probably don't know too many people that are doing what you're doing. But in the sea of wedding planners in your area, because wedding planning is pretty much a local thing, you have to do something to stand out. And you have to show people that you're serious. It's... It's funny, you and Joe mentioned that, I'm not sure it's he or she, has, she said, in the past three months, I've tried social media, word of mouth, tried speaking to friends, and nothing has come up yet. Planning weddings isn't, a, hiring a wedding planner isn't a necessity for most people. Most couples do not hire a wedding planner. Three months is no time at all. Sometimes you're laying the foundation and nothing is coming up yet. People aren't getting married every day of the week, and if they were... They're not hiring wedding planners. So you have to give it some time. And it's hard sometimes. It's hard often to measure if what we're doing is effective. But you have to be consistent. It's kind of like when you're ready. I've used this excuse, um, this example before. When I'm ready to get rid of junk here in the house, I'm going to probably call 1-800-GOT-JUNK. No one's referred them to me, but I've seen them. And it's sort of like that for us. In the wedding industry, we have to be present. People have to know we exist. So I mentioned family and friends, business cards, your website. You also want to start talking to people in the industry, people who are dealing with weddings all day long. Those are professional wedding vendors and venues. And too many of us wedding planners shy away from that. The people in the wedding industry have to know you exist. And if you're doing what you're supposed to do as a wedding planner, you're there to make their life easier. Because if there's no wedding planner, A lot of times the caterer, the photographer has to do stuff that he or she has no desire to do. If you're good at what you do and people know that you exist, they will send business your way. Yes, there are lots of other opportunities and advertising um, things that we can do. Usually there's a a dollar amount assigned to that. Social media is great for the buzz, but that's a good foot in the door for people to know that you exist. But you have to start speaking to people. Go Go where the business is go where the weddings are, go with the vendors, go with the venues. If you pick three venues, if you find three venues in your area that are favorites for you and you're keeping the, the lines of communication open with them, I'm having a hard time believing if you're good at what you're doing and that you're prof- providing a professional image that they're not going to send leads your way. Then it's up to you to change that around. But three months really in the line of what we do is no time at all. Just keep going keep going. But make sure you're good. Would you hire you? Would you hire you? If your website is something that you have to explain away, or you kind of keep buried, or your business cards don't look the way you really want them to look, we're not going to put our best forward. We're going to kind of bury that. And we don't want to do that as business owners. So go where the business is, but you got to stick with it. But you have to make sure you're presenting a good front. We reading planners have a reputation for being kind of flaky. We get in and then we really fall out. We don't really do what we saying because the barrier of entry is so low and anybody can really say I'm a wedding planner and they're in it. We kind of get this bad rap. It's not like a photographer where you've got to buy tons of expensive equipment or a catering company where you have to invest. There's a lot more to get things going because the barrier of entry is so low. There are many of us that use the title wedding planner and really aren't professional wedding planners. So relationships are really key And those around you, don't discredit your family and friends. Joe, hopefully your family and friends received some kind of letter from you that says, hey, I'm in business. This is my website. This is my specialty. And this is where you can find me. Please spread the word. If you haven't done that, do that today. Draft a letter and send it out. Put it in the mail. Put a stamp on it. How nice would it be to get a letter in the mail that's not junk or a bill, a letter that says you're in business? That's impressive. So I hope that helps. All right, Joe. Great question. All right, I'm moving on. The next question is from Ashley. And actually, let me just take a quick peek. Oh, Dawn Denise says, good relationships have helped her in the past. Good, yes. It makes a difference. Tiffany says, keep pushing. My smile and being super nice to vendors has helped me. Yeah, it does. And sometimes it's just that. I know I hear a lot of you say, well, I'm not sure. I've approached a few vendors and they haven't been really positive or haven't received me too well. Their loss... Keep it moving. But you also have to exude something. There has to be something about you that draws me to you. You know, a lot of it is just faking it till you make it. And if you're walking in with confidence, you're smiling and you're upbeat, it may not be evident right away. But that is that that's sticking in someone's mind. That upbeat. I remember she came and she had a great personality. And you want to learn about the vendors. I just want to mention, mention that. When you meet with vendors and, and, and venues, your goal is to learn as much as you can about them. Not, I'm a wedding planner, this is what I'm doing, this is the client. That's all you. What's in it for them? What do they care? But when you start asking someone and inquiring about what it is that they're doing, and you have a genuine in- interest, they reciprocate. They then want to learn about you without you even having to say a whole lot. But you've got to make it interesting, and you have to come across as appealing. You know what I mean? This is the industry where we're in. Okay. Ashley's question. She has two. Two for one. Go, Ashley. She says, for the weddings and events that I do, my policy is that I'm always the first one there before any of the vendors arrive and the last one to leave. I have yet to do a Persian wedding, but it crossed my mind recently that with Persian weddings, I feel like I should charge extra. It's not un- uncommon for Persian weddings to last till 3 a.m., considering dinner isn't served till around 10 p.m. And most of the weddings I've done usually go no later than midnight. Is it pretty common for wedding planners to charge extra for Persian weddings? And if so, how do you go about it? Do you make it so that any event that goes past midnight becomes an hourly fee? Okay. Thank you for your question, Ashley. Ashley, I'm not going to pretend I've never... Worked a Persian wedding, I know I tweeted maybe the one in the ten that I've sent in the last year. <laughs> There's a website that started giving you some backstories about um, some in, about the etiquette and the customs and rights for a Persian wedding, but I haven't done a Persian wedding. But based on what you're saying, I think it can apply in a lot of other instances. And you're saying that you you're wondering if you should charge extra for weddings that extend. Yes, definitely. You need to have a baseline price for what you do. And if you, depending on whether you charge hourly or whether you charge a flat fee, it needs to include something, a baseline. Anything beyond that, you charge extra for. That's just about any business that you're providing a service, which is what we do. So if you basically, on your wedding day, you typically do 10 hours of service, if that's what the baseline is, then for a Persian wedding, you're going to charge more. That makes perfect sense. If someone's holding a wedding... That doesn't end till three a.m. in the morning. I can't imagine that they'll take issue with the fact that you need to charge more to stay till three a.m. I, 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 no problem. And I'm—I don't want to stereotype, but I think Persian a Persian wedding, from what I've seen from the outside, they're not usually based on what you're describing. They're not affairs that 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 are minimal in cost. They're usually a considerable investment for a Persian wedding. I mean, Persian or not, any wedding that's going until 3 a.m. in the morning, it's got to cost more. The venue, longer time. There need to be vendors there for a longer period of time. And just by the culture, I know the food is usually pretty lavish, pretty indulgent. There's no problem. There should be no issue with paying somebody like you, the wedding planner, to be there longer. So absolutely, charge extra for sure. Ashley's second question, I recently got an inquiry For a wedding day, of coordinator that is for a wedding about three hours from where I live. The couple lives local to me, hence why they reached out. But they're getting married three hours away. Since it is such a far driving distance, I responded back that for anything over an hour and a half from me, they have to charge an extra hotel and travel fee since it it is unrealistic for me to drive three hours there before the event and then three hours back so late at night. Plus, there's a rehearsal the day before to account for that as well. So I get the hotel and travel fee. 150 a night is that pretty fair? What is the standard or norm when it comes to this type of thing? Um, Ashley, same, same type of thing. That's not baseline as a wedding planner, the same way you would have base hours a baseline number of hours that you may. And I'm sorry, when I said the 10 hours, I was referring to on the wedding day, but any you know level of service, there usually it incorporates a certain amount of time. We it's our time is money, anything beyond a certain amount, you've got to pay. Well, let me put it this way. Every hour that you're working, really, we should be compensated for. By packaging the number of hours, putting it, bundling it into a package, that makes it easier for our customers to understand. But for me as a wedding planner, the radius is 25 miles from here. Beyond that, that's not a local wedding. For someone who wants you so bad, Ashley, for a wedding that's three hours away, yeah, they're going to have to pay for that. It's like a destination wedding. The very first destination wedding I did, I, I messed up because I billed for hotel and airfare and nothing more. I didn't think about the food I would have to purchase. I didn't think about transportation. This was in St. Croix. I didn't think about those things. And um <laughs> too bad. It was a lesson learned, but you 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 know, you once bitten twice shy. Same thing. Anything beyond a certain whatever that radius is for you is a destination wedding, really. And you should charge for that. You've got to charge for accommodation. You mentioned that. Charge for your, uh, you know, I mean, three hours driving. I don't, I, I'm saying I'm getting on a plane. Really, I don't even think I want to drive three hours to do a wedding. So I should say, I for me, it'd be plane, plane, airfare and hotel, and then you need a predeem. You need money for the things I just mentioned. You need to eat. God bless you. Don't you? My guess is that you're going to have staff with you. Unless you're finding people that are local, they've got to eat and they've got somewhere to stay too. So it's beginning to sound like this is going to be an expensive thing for them. But if they want you so badly, Ashley, they've got to pay. But you have to list all of those expenses. And the key is we have to think this through. We can't say it on the spot because you'll regret it because you'll forget something like I did when I did the. the I think I was just so darn happy that this couple wanted to fly me out to St. Croix for the wedding. I, yep, hotel and airfare. It didn't even occur to me about the other incidentals. So you, and you can decide as a wedding planner, I'm not, I'm only doing weddings within this radius. Anything beyond that, I'm not doing. And then if it is, it doesn't even, if you do decide to do something beyond those, that radius, it's a completely different deal. All bets off. I've got it. This is a custom setup here. Give me a day or two. Or give me 48 hours to work on a price for you, and then I'll pro- uh, I'll provide that's what I think that's what's referred to as bespoke. It's not normal. Not normal. So, you know, we love weddings. We love weddings. But we have to realize that if you're running a business, our time is money. It's hard to bill for time behind the scenes, like, you know, when we're doing stuff in our office. But, heck, three hours there, three hours back, you have to decide, number one, do I want to do that? And number two, I've got it it's a premium. They'll either say that's too much. We'll find somebody local or not a problem. We have a tendency to shop from our own wallets, don't we? We think that price is a thing. and a lot of time a lot of decisions aren't made on price. If you're that good or you're that special, they'll make it work. How many things have you splurged splurged on? Because you really wanted it. It comes we as the business owner are looking at it as as cost, but we have to look at it from the customer and client because they got to see value if they get it if they see the value in you they'll find a way they'll find a way so you know don't don't worry too much I shouldn't say don't worry because it's what we do but don't make it so much about you know and I can see actually your focus on the price thing if you say you know sometimes I I don't want to drag this out but I'm gonna because I know it's it's a it's an important thing sometimes our prices are too low that people are hesitant to do business with us. It's taking me a while to get my head around that. They're kind of thinking, something's wrong here. That doesn't add up. Something's not right. Why is it only this amount? There are some people that are waiting for us to raise our prices because now they're saying, that's the person I want to do business with. How many times have you seen that? You're looking, I mean, we do that. Sometimes we're a little bit snobbish in that we see the price and we're thinking Mm-mm, that, that this doesn't even make sense. If I'm doing a, if I'm checking for something and I'm doing some quote getting quotes and someone says five thousand, second person says seven thousand, and the third person says two thousand, wait, no, that's got to be too good to be true. You don't think the same thing's happening with your wedding plan of prices? A lot of us know that we get what we pay for. So if you're putting in value. And you know, you know what the heck it is that you're doing with weddings. You need to charge for that. It's hard to wrap your head around it. I, Debbie, still struggle with it. It is what it is. We're not for everybody. Everyone can't afford us. Not everyone will see the value. But those that do see the value will pay the money. Okay. All right. All right. And yes, uh, the big day planner says if you lowball the market, then people don't value your price, your services. Yeah, it's true. It's sort of like the people that pay that want the lowest price will nickel and dime you to death. Ask me how I know that. I swear to God. It's sort of like, wait a minute, I knocked the price down, and I still used to, it's just sort of, and they'll find fault. And not all, not across the board, but for the most part, that's how it goes. you thinking, God, I should have charged twice as much. I've done that before. Raised up my prices as a deterrent. And then someone, I hate that I do not even say it. But I'm gonna say they take the bait. <laughs> I was like,
1: wait a second, I could have done this <laughs> I could have done this a year ago. All right. Hi, this is Sabrina Jeff and I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. My question is how do I begin to start a business that involves something similar to a law firm? And when I say that, what I mean is that I would like to um, be able to hire some planners to work within my business. Um, I'm 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 trying to get some planners to work under me as far as um, independent contractors. So um, I don't know how to begin that. Um, of course, people aren't going to work want to work for free. But I'm so willing to be able to get the leads for them, um, find jobs for them, and do all that I can for them to be able to get the work that they need as far as planning weddings and and being able to uh, work with weddings. So if if you can give me some information on how I could even begin to start uh, a company, a wedding planning company, that would be great. I'm already a wedding planner. I already am a small business, um, but I just want to be able to hire um, independent contractors. And I probably shouldn't use the word hire because you really don't hire them, but I would like to have some independent contractors. If you can give me your thoughts on that, that would be great. Thanks, and have a great day.
0: Wonderful. I hope you could hear that. I always worry that when I bring the audio, audio in, you don't hear it. So, Sabrina is thinking, it sounds to me, she's saying that she wants to hire, hi, I'm doing air quotes here. She wants independent wedding planners to work. It sounds, the word I'm gonna use is like a wedding planner agency. So, the concept, independent wedding planners, someone, you contact Sabrina's company or agency, let's say XYZ Wedding Agency, and she will find the wedding planner. She has wedding planners that are part of the state. So think of it like an employment agency, for lack of a better term. And you're hiring the wedding planners through that agency. So you, the wedding planner, you're just getting leads. You're getting not even leads, you're getting booked business. Because Sabrina's doing the marketing and all of that for you. So <laughs> Sabrina's commenting saying the message was long. Blah. <laughs> no worries. We got we got the point. And that's that's the important part, Sabrina. So it's a really great concept. What we the, the one of the mistakes that we make as wedding planners is, is that we most of us don't say, "Okay, I want to start a business. What business can I start because I really want to make X amount of dollars." And I mean, some of us do. But for the most part it goes, "Wow, I really enjoyed planning that wedding or I think I can do that. I enjoy weddings. I enjoy working with people. I wonder if I can make start a business planning weddings." And that's usually how it goes. The problem with that not that there's a problem, but the downside of that is that we're focusing more on weddings and not as a business. The thing is, is for most wedding, most wedding planners work independently, the one individual, one person and many of us work part-time. Not a lot of wedding planners do weddings solely wedding planners, weddings sorry, for their entire career. It's usually weddings are part of something else. The problem with that is the, the business isn't really sustainable. If you're not available, nothing happens. If you want to take a break, you're not making money. And the other downside we have just for wedding planners in general, we get very little repeat business. Although it's not the case. We hope that people get married one time and that's it. Usually it's not like people are coming back, not like a hairstylist where you're going back or you know, it's not there's no repetitive business for the most part. So it makes it difficult. We're on the down, we're on the flip side for that. Add to that that you're primarily working weekends and evenings. That works well in the beginning, but as someone who's been planning weddings since 2001, it gets old pretty soon. Every weekend, or not every weekend, but most weekends when the weather's nice, and the evenings is when when we're doing a lot of what we do. Great to, you know, you're passionate about it, but it wears down on you, especially when you have a family and you want to do other things, you want to travel, and our clients, the more... Handholding, we do the more our clients rely on us, which doesn't give us a lot of breathing room, right? It's it's a it's a difficult business to set up. So by setting up as an agency, you're still getting your getting your jollies, as it were, from weddings. But you are not the only person that's involved in this. And the course that I created, dayofweddingbusiness.com, is all about being a day of wedding coordinator. But I've tried hard to focus on running it as a system-based business, which means I'm hoping that you'll get to the point where you can have other people doing things for you so that if the wedding coming up next Saturday, if you have something else to do, that wedding can still go on. Or better still, you can manage two weddings on one day because you've got a team and more importantly, a system. So my immediate suggestion, Sabrina, is that once you've figured it out, You said you're already an experienced wedding planner, so that's that's number one. That's out of the way. You need to have a system because you don't want to have to reinvent the wheel each time someone comes along. You know what I mean? So there needs to be – we all when you're running a business, knowing what to do next is always a big help. That's why people gravitate to running a franchise, not because they want someone to really tell them what to do, not that. It's just easier. It's a tried-and-true system, and if you can set up your business in that way – it's a good thing. The problem with weddings is that because it is a personal service, people are kind of drawn to individuals a lot of times. They want you. And sometimes it's difficult to say, if someone says, okay, Debbie, I know you're doing a great job. So I spent all my time branding and saying, you know, uh, demonstrating my expertise and love of local weddings. And then I say, okay, this is who's going to help you for the wedding. And I send them over to someone else. It's sort of like, well, no, I. I Thought it was going to be you, Debbie, but we kind of have to train our audience to understand that we've got a system in place that no matter who does your wedding, it's going to be fantastic, and that's the tricky part. There has to be a system in place, and if you don't have a system, you you have to you have to figure it out each time, and there's not always the guarantee that the end result. It's going to be ideal. Add to that that there are different ways, different styles, different budgets, different things about weddings. So you kind of have to narrow down and say, these are the weddings that I want to focus on. I want to set up an agency for these type of weddings. It sounds like you should be able to do all of them from A to Z, but really it's going to be difficult to manage that and to make sure that the outcome is going to be a positive one. The other part is, and Sabrina alluded to this, is that she wants to bring in independent contractors. So someone is, who is an independent contractor is not an employee. You do not, you're not responsible for paying their taxes, uh, providing insurance, workman's comp, all of those things are, are not are, are a non-issue with an independent contractor. The thing, though, with an independent contractor is you cannot dictate what that person does. If someone's coming in each week and you're telling them, I want you to do this, this, and then I need you to do this, and I need you to do it this way. You're kind of bordering on the line of that person being employee. Independent contractor, it's sort of like they're coming in with their own setup, their own tools, and they're just delivering the end result the way that they want to do it. It's a bit of a blurry line. So you want to speak to someone who can make sure that you're not getting in trouble with the IRS here in the U.S., and that you actually do have an independent contractor and not an employee. Because for me, control freak that I am, I kind of want people to do things a certain way. And part of my issue has been that same independent contractor employee thing, that if I'm telling people exactly what it is I want them to do, I'm setting myself up for employee status. Now, I'm sure there's a way to get, you know, to work through it, but I don't want to be on the flip side of the IRS and having to answer to that. So it's... My response, Sabrina, is I think it's a great, great concept. I think you're on the right path. But I think there needs to be a system in place. And you want to make sure that you have a way to make to make sure that you're okay with having independent contractors and that what you're not really doing is setting up employees. Now, it may be different. Maybe your idea is that, you know, you're just sort of like the middle person. You're saying, I can vouch for Nicole, I can vouch for Clarissa. I can vouch for Danny because they're in my part of my agency. They're in, We've gone through the vetting process and we know that, you know, he or she is the real deal. And then you kind of back off. But then your reputation is at stake. So it's, it's, it's odd and I don't have a direct it, – it, it really depends on from what I can see – The dilemma is employee, independent contractor, how much control do I want? What kind of weddings, what kind of service am I going to perform? And this is why I gravitate towards day of, because day of means it's easier for me to set up a system. I'm not there, you know, holding hands with budget and interviewing vendors. I'm not doing that. All I'm saying is you do the planning, and I'll give you some pointers along the way. When you're ready at the end, My team and I are going to come in and we're going to execute this day flawlessly for you. And by focusing on the day of, because it can be very regimented and very streamlined. That's an easier thing to me, Debbie, to pull off than to pull off full service. And maybe full service wasn't even any, you know, on your radar. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But I think full service is more of a personality based individual service than doing day off. Day off is kind of like our team and I, my team and I coming in to save the day. We're going to get the timeline. We're going to talk to your vendors. Hopefully you picked good vendors. Wedding day done, flawless. You know what I mean? So I'm sort of all over the place with the response, but I hope it's helped you to sort of think. But I like how you're thinking. I really like the idea of streamlining and and getting folks coming in. And there are wedding planners out there, I think, who will be grateful for that kind of service, Sabrina, because they don't have to worry about marketing. But the thing is, the flip flip side of that is a lot of us – get into this business because we want to run things. We want to do things our way. So the marketing, is good to have somebody do that for me, but what does that mean? What am I going to give up? What control am I giving up? Do I get to decide who I work with? Can I turn somebody down? Or Sabrina, are you going to say this is your client and you have to work with them? Those are things you got to think through. I would suggest, Sabrina, is looking at some other industries that sort of have that policy, you know, talk to a few employment agencies and see how do they run their business. It's amazing what we can pick up from uh, outside industries. And if you can pick up a few pointers that you can apply to this industry, that might work out for you. I would also suggest going to see, um, going to the local SBA, Small Business Administration, and SCORE. I always mess up on the SCORE acronym. Something Core of Retired Executives. I got the C-O-R-E. Society is the first letter, maybe I don't know, but going to see someone in that um, in that organization can help you again. It's when when you're outside of the wedding industry, someone can point us in the right direction. Things that we hadn't even thought of that might apply to you. But I really love that concept. Let me know how that comes along, Sabrina. Maybe I I know you're communicating with others in the chat room. You guys, you know, I'm sure you're going to do this anyway because he can. I see phone numbers flying here, there, and everywhere is just to do a meetup or get together and do a brainstorming session. One of the great things that we can do when you're running a business is to have um, a board of advisors. But what's also good is to have an accountability group. So the way it works is that you, there's you in the wedding industry, maybe someone else in the wedding industry in a different part of the country. So maybe you three or four of you in different areas of the, of the country, because really there isn't a whole lot of competition. I think there's enough business for all of us. But anyway, so somebody from north south east west and once a month you guys come together one person in e- one person gets to take the floor initially and says this is the issue i'm having and i need help everybody chimes in and then the next session that person who had the issue takes all of the information that they got the first one and then re- and, and then comes back and says this is the progress i've made this is what i've done and then the next the next session it's the second person's turn to do that it's kind of what we're doing here, except I'm not being <laughs> – instead of me leading the leading the pack, you all constructively come in. But it makes you accountable because you know you've got to come back to this group and tell them what progress we've made. This is what I've done. Or someone may say, okay, I've got a brother. He's kind of running – you said you used the term law firm, Sabrina. I know you said that and I didn't even mention it. Speak to someone. How does that really work? How, do the, how does all that come together? in the law firm or each of the attorneys, independent contractors. So how do they bypass this employee thing? Or are they employees? And see what you can pull from there. Get together and have this accountability group. If you don't know, if you can't find people, wedding planners or people in the wedding industry throughout the the country, then do local. You're the wedding planner. Get somebody who's in the construction industry. Get someone who's doing maybe MLM, multi-level marketing, Someone else who's maybe a hairstylist. I'm thinking of a few people in my neck of the woods. And each month we get together. It's good for your brain to exercise outside of the wedding industry and see what problems people are coming up with. You may have the answer. Something you hear today may help someone in another industry. It's going to come back to you the next time around. Maybe not the next time around, but maybe the time after that. We have to get out of our bubble and talk to people and see what they can provide, you know, what information they can provide to us. We can apply, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. A lot of the systems that we need for our wedding business already exist in other industries if we just open our minds to apply it that way, okay? A bit of a rant there, but I hope that helps. Sabrina, please keep me posted as to how that works out for you. Um, I know several of you here are part of the dayofweddingbusiness.com. I hope you're sharing what you know with others so that you you've got insight, and I I can say you've got insight because I know I've put it in the members area for you. It can apply to a lot of different industries. So don't you got to give to get? Don't be a, And once you start sharing, you become the thought leader. You become the person to go to with responses, with answers, ideas. That's good for your business because people will come to you and say. Oh, that's Sabrina. She does weddings, but I know she's really on point with her business with business ideas. Let me talk to her. That's how people get to hear about you. That's how people get to know that when someone in their family or in their circle is getting married, that they'll just send them over to you. Okay? All right. But let me um jump onto the next question from Pamela. Pamela is really good. She knows what to say. Pamela's first line is, "You're so awesome." Thank you, Pamela. <laughs> um Pamela says, I'm in the process of starting my own wedding planning business while having a full-time job. I plan to launch at the end of this year during peak engagement season, season, Excuse me, but I know that I can only commit to doing month of coordinating for the first few months or possibly the first year. My question to you is, how do I create a smooth transition into offering more services such as partial planning and then later on full planning? What if my company becomes known as just a month of company. Pamela, I think I can relate to what you're saying. But what's so bad about being known as the month of coordinator? What's so bad about that? I think that's great. I'm biased, of course. But there's something special about uh, you want to stand out. And Pamela, if you're the person in your neck of the woods that knows day of, that you've got the system and you know it like the back of your hand, you're going to get a lot of business. I think we we're scared that if we're not doing everything for all couples, we are missing out. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's good to specialize. It really is. I know it sounds counterintuitive in that you're not going to get business. It's true. You won't, but you're going to get so much business of the specialty. You're not going to know what to do with yourself if you focus and promote that you are a specialist. Now, being a day of wedding coordinator works perfectly if you have a full-time gig because we don't really have time to be a full-service coordinator if you've got a full-time job. Usually that's why someone's hiring you because they've got a full-time job. How can they pay you money to do a job that they can't do if you're both in the same boat? You need the time. So until then, you do day of. But the thing is, you'll know once you start doing day of because more people, more clients. Remember I said a lot of most, most engaged couples do not hire a wedding planner. Many of them will, many of them, several of them will understand that they need someone there on the wedding day. Unfortunately, most of them don't learn that until it's too late after the wedding. But if your day off is your thing, you'll promote that upside down, inside out all day long, and people will begin to listen after a moment. So you start off as day off, but what you'll notice is as you help more clients, you'll start, your business can go in the direction of of the requests you get. Here's the mistake a lot of us are making. We decide, I want to plan weddings. I live in this town, and that's what I'm going to do. And then you say, nobody wants a wedding planner. I'm struggling. Your life will be so much easier if there's a need and you just fill it, as opposed to saying, this is what I want to do. Let me see if anybody wants it. No. If day off is what people want, then day off is what you offer. You want to do full service. You want to do partial. But is there a need for that? If you don't know, you should do some due diligence. But if you start off as day off, if you're getting an inkling that that's working for you, You'll soon learn if people need more help. If they're coming to you and saying, yeah, but I know you do day of, but we really needed somebody maybe two months earlier. Ding. They need a partial planner. Someone else says, you, you know, I, it sounds like what you offer is great, but we need someone who has more hands-on. Exp- we need someone to help us um, earlier on. Ding. Another indication that there's a need for additional, more comprehensive planning. You'll get, this, you'll get the signs. So instead of worrying about being being um being narrowed as, as someone who only does day off it's not a bad thing i tr- trust when you see the money coming into the bank account you'll say you you won't you'll you'll have a different <laughs> you'll have a different sound but you'll also begin to see what people need cuz you're in it you're in the business you're in it you'll see what people need you'll see what's missing and then you can say i want to offer this i need to provide this service you know what i mean so don't worry so much about being pigeonholed. That's the word I needed, needed to use a few moments ago. Start off, but make sure there's a need too. You know, it doesn't make sense you offering day off, day off if nobody really wants that. Don't, you're going to struggle. You, you, we have to do, do due diligence. And a lot of us are getting into the business and not researching. If you're in a metropolitan area, I'll go out on a limb and say, it's pretty safe to say that you're going to do okay. I'm not saying you're going to do gangbusters, but you're going to probably do okay to get started with weddings. If you're in a rural area, it's going to be difficult because, number one, there aren't as many. It's not as concentrated. There aren't as many people. And for the most part, not always, though, the income potential isn't there. There isn't as much expendable income. It's usually more focused around the metropolitan area. So depending on where you're located, it may or may not work for you. I've heard from wedding planners saying, "Nobody in my I'm from a small town, no one's hiring wedding planners." You know what? Wedding planning is not the business to start in your town. It sounds horrible. It's the truth. We have to be honest. We're not starting hobbies here, we're starting businesses. If nobody wants the business that or the service or product that you're offering, there's a disconnect. There is a disconnect. And don't guess. Don't Guess. It's the same thing like we kind of spend from our wallet. you have to ask the questions. You have to go out there and ask, research, look at the stats. How many people are getting married in your neck of the woods? I always say talk to caterers because almost all weddings, people will hire a professional to provide the food, almost all, not always. They can tell you how much money people are spending. Based on the money they're spending on, the catering will give you an idea of the wedding. It's usually up close to fifty percent of the cost of the wedding, usually. You'll get an idea. The caterer will tell you, yeah, people are getting married in, you know, in this part of town and these are the kind of weddings we're doing. You have to ask those questions. If you're a business person, if you're, doing, if you're an entrepreneur, you have to ask those questions. You can't just jump in and say, I want to be a wedding planner, and then say, six, no one's hiring a wedding planner. That's silly. You should have checked that first. You've got to do this first. It works for the most part in metropolitan areas, but you've got to find out. Is there a saturation? Are there tons and tons and tons and tons of wedding planners? Usually that's a good, good indicator that there's a need, but you may have to struggle to be seen, which means you definitely need a specialty now because you're going to have to stand out amongst all of the wedding planners that are in your neck of the woods. Or maybe you expand your radius. Or, like I said, you do something differently. Maybe you only focus on same-sex weddings. Or maybe you only focus on day of or only maybe you only focus on christian weddings this is why the specialty helps you stand out and i know we're worried that it's going to label us there's nothing wrong with being labeled but what it does it just it just it 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 ups your expert status faster because more of that group is looking to you they'll sing your praises oh my gosh you're getting married gay wedding you need to go talk to to debbie she, she's on it. She knows what to say. She's got the, she knows the vendors that are, that are not going to make an issue out of it, that don't have a problem with us. Th- that's the kind of relationship you want. That's the kind of status you want. Don't be scared. Don't be scared to, to step out of that box. We can't all be, be like sheep in this wedding industry. Otherwise, you're going to get lost. And then I'm going to hear from you saying, I'm not getting business. Okay, the other part of Pamela's question, she says, how do I start to market my business to friends and former newly engaged college classmates when I do not have a portfolio or website yet? If you're in business in 2016 and you don't have a website, it's almost like you don't exist. A few years ago, you could have gotten away with it. You must have a website. You must have a website. Facebook page, Twitter page, Instagram. What's the other one? Pinterest. Pinterest. Yes, those are added bonuses. Those will help get the business your way. But you need to have your own place online. Your office online is your website. If you tell me you're in business and you don't have a website, I'm not even taking you seriously. I'm sorry. You got to work on that. It's, it's, It's a necessity. I don't know how we can operate as wedding planners and not have a website. That's the way it is. And if you're saying, I'm in business, I've got business cards, I can't find clients. Maybe if you don't have a website, that's a problem. That's a problem is saying she just hosted my website launch party. Ta-da. We've got to look, We're creative souls. we got to think of ways to get the eyes our way. But don't ever forget that this is a business. You've got to treat this like a business. If you're not, problems, 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 okay? I want to tell you it's going to be okay. You can get around it. No, I would be I wouldn't be telling you the truth because if I need your services and you don't have a website, I'm looking at you sideways. Unless someone has said to me she's really great. She is awesome. She did our wedding and it was fantastic. Then that's a little different, but if I don't know you, I need that website. So unless you've got that that mouth, word of mouth thing going for you, you know what I mean? You need the you need the website. That's your online home. And it doesn't have to be anything that has tons and tons and tons of pages. It just needs to be even if it's your logo, your phone number, your email and a few pictures. Saying coming soon. I know you exist. You're there. I gotta be able to reach you. The place for me to leave a number, but don't a message. Don't have that up there forever. But it's a start. I've got a domain name. You're the real deal now. You're not a fly by night. You're in it. Okay. So yeah, I think that was it. I'm currently in Pamela went on to say, I'm currently working under another planet to gain experience and have content for my portfolio. But how do I sell my services when I don't have much to back me up? You gotta get in there. You have to get in there. You have to get in there. If it means starting a blog, you can do that inexpensively with WordPress. That's my software of choice. But there are other ways to do this. You've got Squarespace, Wix. It's unbelievably affordable now to get yourself a a website up and running. And then, you you know, she mentions gaining experience because she's working from another planet. But you want to make sure that you do something that people can come to you, which is why I say the website or the blog. You know what I mean? You've got a portfolio. That's a good start. That's really good that people can see what's going on. The thing is, depending on what type of service you're planning, a portfolio is um, it's proof, but it doesn't always demonstrate what you can do. That's a good starting point. So I know we talk about portfolios because we're in a visual business. Unless you're a designer, a portfolio is sort of like the eye candy. It's the foot in the door to get your the eyes your way. But people still have to know that you can do a really good job. Someone mentioned the stylized shoots. You've got yes, you set things up, take pictures. We've got smartphones. There's really no excuse not to be taking pictures left, right, and center. There really is no excuse. So we have to sort of remove the wedding planner hat and think of the business owner, the entrepreneur. Put that hat on. We can't be and I'm not uh, suggesting that you are, Pamela, I, and I mean, it's in the best possible way. You know, I love you. We can't be crybabies about this. We have to put on our big girl pants, not big guy pants, and say, okay, I'm running a business. Do I have a business phone? I'm going to give you a quick sum. I called, I'm not going to remain nameless, one of the people that I do business with. And I called her. I couldn't get through. I called her at 10. I called, no, I called her online. I called at 8 before she opened. I called at 10, called at 11. I was probably being a nuisance now. And each time I'm leaving a message and the next day she was pissed off. She said, well, you know, I have clients. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're running a business. I'm a client. Someone should be answering my calls or there should be a level of expectation, in the greeting that you're going to get back to me. I'm trying to make an appointment with you to spend money. I can't get through. That's a small detail to her. To me, it was huge. I've still got to pay my money when I get there. I can't even get through to your business line you're in business, I'm sorry I have a problem with that. And that's how I think. And maybe I'm being critical. Maybe I'm tough. But if you're in business, you have to act like you're in business. You need answer the phone. What? You don't have a website? What do you mean? Why do I have to wait two days to hear from you? Can't be that way. Or if I've got to wait two days to hear from you, your greeting should tell me that. I won't hear from you. It'll be it'll be, you'll hear from us within the next twenty-four to forty eight hours. I'm not gonna keep calling, but I'm calling and I'm just getting the voicemail and it's her cell phone. Come on, we can do better than that. And if all the other wedding planners are running their business that way, and you're the person that has the professional greeting that gets back to someone within a couple of hours, you're gonna stand out just like that. You're way above the pack right there, which is why I say we have to focus on systems and making sure we're ready to go as a business, not just the wedding thing. I think anyone can just about learn to do weddings, but it's how you run that business that's going to stand out. Because remember, we don't have the best reputation in the industry, in the wedding industry, as wedding planners. We don't. We get a lot of fly-by-nights that come in and then leave. So you got to stand out. Okay? All right. So that concludes part one of the live broadcast. I referenced episodes and some other resources and you can find all that information at weddingsforaliving.com slash 394 weddingsforaliving.com slash 394 so this is episode 394 episode number 395 is part two of this live broadcast please post your comments on the show page uh, below the show notes, any feedback, any questions, any queries, anything you disagree with. I really would love to hear from you. So thanks again for joining me. I'm Debbie Queen, wishing you lots of love and success. Take care.
1: About weddings? Staying awake at night wondering if you could be a professional wedding planner? If you'd like to get paid to plan weddings, download Debbie's free audio class, Seven Truths Every Wedding Planner Should Know, and discover seven insider secrets about what it takes to run your own successful wedding planning business. Go to weddingsforaliving.com today and get instant access to this information-packed audio class. It's yours free at weddingsfora Living.com. Go to WeddingsforALiving.com now. Visit WeddingsforA Living.com.